Thank you for leading us, worship team, and into the presence of the Lord. And it's so good to be with you this morning. For the next several weeks, I'm going to unpack a series of messages to help us rediscover who God is. One of the problems people have in pursuing a deeper relationship with God is that we don't really understand Him or know Him as He really is. Quite often, we have the wrong perception of Him, similar to what we do with people or circumstances or even those in authority over us. One of my earliest memories of misperception of others was when I was in the first grade. I was afraid to buy my lunch and give my money to the lunch lady because I thought she looked mean. I mean, she didn't look friendly at all, and so that impacted me and it intimidated me. So all through first and third grade, when I was in that small school, I never purchased my lunch, even when it was pizza day. I mean, I didn't do it. Why? Because I had the wrong perception. Now, that that woman might have been a wonderful woman, a grandmother, loved people, but my perception was off on her. Our perceptions of others can affect how we relate to them, how we react to them, what we attempt to do and what we don't attempt to do. I remember meeting Lori for the very first time in a Sunday school, and I thought she was the most beautiful girl in the world. I was 19, she was 18, and I figured she's no way she's going to date me. She's way out of my league. So I didn't say anything to her. I just kind of froze. Has that ever happened to you? How you perceive the situation affects how you think and then what you do or don't do. Have you ever had that sinking feeling in your heart when you get pulled over by a policeman for a traffic violation? The car pulls up behind you, the siren is going, the lights are blaring in your mirror and in the interior of your car, and you wait for what could be a reprimand from an officer and a ticket. I remember my first stop sign violation when I first got my license. It was a $50 ticket, and man, I was so upset. I mean, I was working for $3 an hour. $50 is a lot of money. Then a few years ago, I was on the highway descending downhill and uh, going at a place, a speed up, what I thought was about 70 miles an hour in a 65-mile speed zone. And then sure enough, a state trooper came out from behind. I don't know where he was. I never saw him. He hits the lights, the siren. He pulls me over. And I'm thinking, oh, man, what's going to happen now? The same sinking feeling I had with that first police officer when I got my first ticket, I'm feeling the same thing right now, but even worse. And the officer comes up to my window. I roll down my window. He looks at me, and he says, how fast do you think you were going? I said, well, officer, I'm sorry. I was probably going 70, 71 miles an hour. He says, I have you clocked at 82 miles an hour. And then I started to see dollar signs and points on my license. In fact, he said, that's five points on your license, and that's about a $200 fine. And then he looked in the back seat, and he saw my grandson there. And he says, you got some precious cargo in there. I want you to slow down, and I want you to get there safely. So take this as a warning. And he didn't give me a ticket. Oh, man, I was so thankful. I assumed I was going to get what I deserved, but instead I got mercy. 
You see, my perception was influencing my thinking and how I saw all these things. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy One, says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Do you know what we think about God influences whether we're going to come closer to God or whether we're going to put Him at a distance from ourselves? What we understand and know about who God is is going to influence our relationship with Him. And a lot of people have a lot of different perceptions about God. I'm sure you know many people, or maybe you've even had some of these yourself. Let me, let me give you a few. Some think He's a distance force in the universe, which, will, which we could never know personally. He's just some kind of a cosmic force. And some think he's an angry judge or a cosmic policeman, authoritarian, uh, examining our every thought, but not really going to help us. He's ready to punish us. To some, he's a benevolent, kind old deity, kind of like a grandfather on a rocking chair, and that he's pretty much like Santa Claus, and if we ask him for something, maybe he will give us something if we're good. And to others, they conclude that I just can't see God, so I, therefore he doesn't exist. It's just a figment of people's imagination. But what if we could ask God what he is like? What do you think he would say? How would he describe himself? Well, I want to tell you, God has written an autobiography. You know what it's called? It's called the Bible. And he's written this, and it's full of him speaking about himself, what he is like and what he's not like. How we can know him, how we can follow him, how we can join him in the work that he is doing. How he can lead us and the wonderful plan that he has for our lives. He wants us to understand that and know him. But most people, they skip the process of seeking after God, worshiping, thinking about Him, discovering who He really is according to what He has revealed Himself to be. They either come up with some imagination in their mind based on an idea of who they think God is, and sometimes people take a salad bar approach to different religions and they put it all together and they say, this is what I believe about God. But they never Look into the Scriptures, into the Bible, and understand who God is and how He describes Himself. You know, this is dangerous to do because usually, usually what we do is we, we reduce God into someone that is comfortable whom we can manage for our own lives and for our own gain. Someone who will never interrupt our lives or our plans, and if He does, uh, then we'll pray to Him. Someone we think we can ultimately control or manipulate uh, instead of bowing down in humble worship and really surrendering our lives to him and beginning to follow and trust him. Isaiah chapter 40 has this wonderful passages in it. I want to read a few of them for you. And this is where God asked this question to his people and to us. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, asks the Holy One of Israel. Think about that. 
To whom will you compare me? Is there anybody that you could compare me to? And who is my equal? And then he goes on and says this. He says, look up into the heavens. Who created the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. God wants us to know that there is none that is his equal. Just the fact of creation shows that he's all-powerful, that he's all-knowing, that his wisdom and power on display every day. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The things that he has made speak daily about who he is. The intricacies of the universe from the vastness of the universe to the minute details of insects, all of his creation, they display his glory. They display his design. They display his thought. They display his care. And then it says this. It goes on in verse 27. It says, O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? And this is what God was saying. He was asking his people this because his people were complaining because at this time in their history, when Isaiah is writing this, the nation of Assyria is surrounding them, and they're ready to attack them. And the people are questioning, does God really care about me? Does God really understand what we're going through? And then read on. It says, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the earth. He never grows weary. He never grows weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, and he gives strength to the powerless. You see, people had forgotten who God was, or maybe they misinterpreted who he was, or they had a misperception about who he was. But they were missing something. They were growing weak and tired. They thought God was tired of them, but God was never tired of them. He never tires of us. You see, God has the power to give strength to those that are weak or feel powerless. When we read God's Word, when we begin to understand it, God reveals His nature, His attributes, His love, His power, even His judgment and His anger too. This should motivate us to want to know and experience in Him more in our lives. He wants to motivate us to do that. You know, we have to make sure we're not making the wrong assumptions about who God is. Just because he hasn't answered our prayers in the way that we thought he should, or if we're waiting on something that God has promised us that he would do, and we're waiting longer than we thought we should, sometimes we get a misperception about who God is. I remember an elderly woman when I was first starting ministry in Newark. Her name was Mrs. Taylor, and she lived just down the block from us, but she was a strong believer in the Lord. And what she used to say all the time is, God is never late. He's always on time. He's never late. He's always on time. We just have to wait for him. He's not on our, tank, on our timetable. He's always working out to complete his plan and his purposes in this world and in our lives. And he weaves them all together. That's the wonderful thing about knowing who God is and understanding who he is. 
Because when we get this wrong, it affects our lives tremendously. In the book of Hebrews, it says this in chapter 1, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. And what this says this, in the past, God has spoken through the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and others. He's spoken to us, and he's given us a description of who he is. But in these last days, in this present time, he's spoken to us by his son. And he's the one that represents who God is in the greatest revelation that God has ever given us. It says this, the Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You see, God is not made in our image. We're made in His image with the ability to know and understand Him as He reveals Himself to us. And the greatest revelation is when God invaded time and space and came to earth. Jesus Christ was born, died on the cross for us, rose again so that we might know God and have a relationship with Him. You see, God is inviting us to discover who He really is and have a relationship with Him. And He wants us to seek Him. He wants us to seek him in the scripture. You know what Jesus said? He said, if you search the scriptures, you will find that they testify about me. The scriptures testified about Jesus. All the things that were written in the Old Testament talked about Jesus, so many of them. He said this, Jeremiah said this, God said this through Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So there is this desire that God wants for us to seek after Him, to understand Him, to know Him. And that's something that takes time, and that's something that takes an intentional effort to do. And a lot of times, we don't think it's that important, but God thinks it's very important. God thinks it's the most important thing about us. Spurgeon was this famous preacher back at the turn of the 19th century. And one of the greatest preachers of all time, he said this. He was only 20 years old when he wrote this. There is something exceedingly improving to the mind in the contemplation of divinity. It's a subject so vast that all our thoughts are lost in its immensity, so deep that our pride is drowned in its infinity. But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. You see what Spurgeon is saying? He's saying that this subject about God, to take time to contemplate who God is, it humbles us because God is so vast. He's so wonderful. But he says, even though it humbles the mind, it also expands it. He who often thinks of God will have a larger mind than the man who simply plods around this narrow globe. The most excellent study for expanding the soul 
is the study of Christ and Him crucified in the knowledge of the Godhead in glorious Trinity. It's the balm for every wound. It's in the contemplation of the Father, there's quietness for every grief. I mean, Spurgeon is 20 years old, and he's experiencing God in a deep and a profound way, and people are still quoting him today. But at 20 years of age, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It matters where your heart is at. If you want to seek after God, he wants to reveal who he really is to you. And he does that through the scripture. He does that through creation. And he does that through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe, just maybe we've had some wrong perceptions and assumptions about who God is, or maybe our humble minds need the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation or enlightenment to who God really is. And it's worth the effort if we seek him. But do you ever wonder, why is it that some people seem to have a close relationship with God, seem to display unwavering faith, have a deep love and a patience for others, and wait on God and trust Him, and others just don't. So what's, what is the difference? What are the hindrances that keep, us or that keep us from drawing close to God? Well, one of them is our, our perception could be off. I don't know if you wear corrective lenses or contacts to be able to see clearly at 2020. But I remember when I was in the fourth grade, and I remember getting my first pair of glasses. It was like when I put them on, it was a miracle. I could see everything so clearly. Without my glasses, my perception was blurred. I didn't see things clearly. It's the same thing when we don't have God in his word and his Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't really understand who he is and how to know him. When we look at the scripture, at who God is and what he is like, it helps us see him as he really is. It helps us to think about him and trust him because we begin to understand what he's based, what he is like, and what his promises are based upon the scripture. His promises can then become personal to us. And so if your thinking or perception of God is off, it'll hinder you from really getting to know him. But when you get into his word and understand who he is, and he begins to reveal things to you through the Holy Spirit, there's a greater clarity. Second thing is, one, first one is our perception could be up. The other thing is we are basing our understanding of God on our past experiences or the current events we're going through. We're basing our understanding of who God is based on past experiences, or what we're currently going through. We could have been disappointed. We could have been betrayed by somebody, abandoned by others. We often project this onto who we think God is like. What our earthly father or our parents were like can often have an effect on what we think about who God is. If our parents were demanding, uh, we think God is like this. If they were distant, we think God is also distant. When they are unpredictable in their care for us, a lot of times we don't feel like we could trust God either. So a lot of times our experience, our past experience is influencing what we think about God instead of what he's revealed about who he is. So what are some steps to coming closer to God? And I want you to 
just think about this. What are some steps to coming closer to God? First of all, realize your limitations, your weaknesses, your possible misperceptions or even misinterpretations of who God is. Humble yourself before the Lord and ask Him to help you see Him as He really is. We need His help to understand who He is. You can see Him through creation. One of the ways that God wants us to see Him is is through His creations. That's, That's one of the ways that He's revealed Himself. And some of you are nature lovers. Some of you love the outdoors. And, one of the, and God's placed that within you, that desire in you. But it's beautiful. It's, it's, it can be a learning experience to just take a walk in nature, to get out in your backyard at nighttime, look up into the stars, observe his creation. The other day, uh, I was looking out my window, and there in front of me was a praying mantis. Yeah, you know, one of those long bugs like that. And they had their arms up like that, like they were praying. It just reminded me of God's creativity, of how he can make these weird-looking bugs. And he's so creative in what he does. But they can speak to us about who he is and how vast and how powerful and how wise he is. Prayerfully, the second thing is look into the Scriptures and ask God prayerfully. Ask God to reveal himself to you. Begin to read and to study the Scripture to get an accurate understanding of who God is and what He says He is. He speaks over and over again about His character, His nature, His attributes. Begin with the Gospels. If you want to start someone, just begin with the story of Jesus because that's the greatest revelation we have of who God is. But don't stop there. I I encourage you to read the Old Testament too. One of the things that I've been doing with a group of men is we've been going through uh, uh, through an app uh, uh, an app on our phone called Mission One Nineteen. Know the Word, and every week we read about seven to ten chapters of the Bible, and then we listen to a pastor, John Soper, speak about the explanation of those two chapters. And then we come together on a Tuesday morning, and we sit and we discuss what those passages and how those chapters impacted us and what they mean to us. And it's amazing to see how much we can learn as you read through the Bible. The other app is called the Bible app. It's a great app that can give you devotionals every day to get into God's Word and to study His Word. You know, they've done surveys, and they estimate that probably 10, only 10 to 20% of people read the Bible regularly. That's in churches. So I know there's been times in my life when it's been very hard to read the Bible every day. But I encourage you to get a plan to find out and to create this discipline in your life where you're seeking after God daily and wanting to get into his word because it will change your life. And it'll change your perspective on who God is. It'll build your faith. Faith. It'll expand the capacity of your soul to accept his love. You know what? David said in Psalm 34, he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. You know, David didn't say, Oh, let's reduce the Lord. No, he said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let's get to know him as he truly is. And when when we do that, he'll change our lives. You know, another way that you can get 
a greater understanding of who God is to begin to read some books that describe who He is. Now, when I prepare for a message like this or a series of messages like this, I'll get some books that will help me to understand because there's people that have thought much more about this than I have and studied much harder than I have. And so these books are are tools that help me understand who God is. One is uh, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. It's a classic book about who God is, knowing God. Another one is The Knowledge of the Holy One by A.W. Tozer, somebody that I quoted here today. The other one is The Real God by Chip Ingram. And uh, that's a currently just, just written recently. And another one is God Himself by Tony Evans, who recently wrote a book about the attributes of God. But last but not least, the third thing I encourage people to do, and probably is the most important thing, Enter into a personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. By coming to God humbly, asking Him to forgive you of your sin, opening up your life to His Lordship, to His salvation, to the forgiveness that He is offering us is the first step. It's the greatest step. But it doesn't stop there. It gets you on a journey to know who God really is. Jesus said that the Father seeks those, He seeks worshipers who will worship Him in spirit, through the Holy Spirit, and in truth, through the Word of God. And when we begin to understand that, we understand who God is, how to worship Him, how to give our lives to Him, how to follow Him, how to know Him, how to give our cares over to Him, and how to be still and know that He is God even in uncertain times. So I want to encourage you with this message. And as we go through these attributes of God, as we understand how, who God is according to the Scripture and what He's revealed in the Scripture, I hope you'll be encouraged to know Him even more. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord just to continue to be with us this week as we seek to know Him and see Him as He really is. Father, We come before You and we thank You for this time that we could gather today to hear Your Word, to be encouraged and motivated to know You. Lord, Your arms are open. You are inviting us to know You in a deeper and a more profound way. And Lord, whether we've known You for just a few years or multiple years, Lord, You want us to go deeper with You. You want us to understand who You are even more. So, Lord, we surrender our lives to You. We ask You to speak to us. We ask that as we get into Your Word, it would reveal who You really are, what Your promises are to us, what You're speaking into our lives, what You want us to do, how You want us to live. Lord, we ask that You would be Lord of our lives. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.